If you have your Bible, I want you to get a head start and, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and John 14. Ephesians 1 and John 14. We're going to look at those two passages uh, uh, pretty detailed for a few moments. But let, let me kind of, kind of bring you up to speed. Because let me just say this about today. Even though you haven't been here for the past nine or ten Sundays to get any, uh, you may this you may be a first time guest. This morning's message will stand alone in your behalf. So don't don't be concerned that oh man I'm getting the conclusion of something I'll know nothing about. I promise you that's not the case. But and, and let me just say if you would like to catch up, you can go to our website cotrnorth.com. And you can click on sermons and all the audio files will be there. And in fact, I think there's a link to our Vimeo page where we're beginning to post the encouraged broadcast there as well. And these messages will be there in kind of a condensed format. If you'd like to see me by way of video, you can do that as well. Uh, and so we're concluding. Now, what's interesting about this series is it went nine weeks. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't know that I've, I probably have done a series longer than that, but that's kind of out of my norm and it was kind of, uh, it kind of just began to grow on me. But here's where we began. We began realizing that the first thing that God did when he created man, what's the first thing he did? He blessed them. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, a lot of times people tend to think about all the, you know, God, you know, the, the, the blood and gore. How about this? I might can handle it. Whoo! I was wondering why y'all were staring at me funny. Amen. Now I feel overbearing. I might turn into a Pentecostal. You know, it, Pentecostals don't wear these things. They use this, and when they want emphasis, they go, God, thank you, Jesus. It might happen. All right, where was, where was I? Uh, all right, bless, God blessed Adam and Eve, but they did what? They, they sinned. Got ten more of you. Now we know where we're headed. And since sin entered, God has been working His plan as we, as we learned in Fast Track to get us back under the banner of His blessing. See, Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden, the perfect world. And God, hey, ultimately, guess what? We will end up back under the banner of God's blessing when we get to heaven. Amen. When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. But until then, we continue to work our way back under the banner, not through our works, but according to his mercy. And so we learned this because we looked in Deuteronomy 28 and we realized, man, it's the nature of God to want to bless us. Read Deuteronomy 28. Woo, man, I'm telling you, he'll bless your kneading bowl. Now, I don't know what a kneading bowl is, but if you got one, it's blessed. God wants to bless it. Uh, he wants to bless your coming in and your going out. And the enemies that come against you one way will flee before you seven ways. And man, you if you can't preach after you read Deuteronomy 28, if you can't get fired up about the blessings of God, uh, your wood's wet. Something's wrong with you. But God wants to bless us. In fact, I said this many times. It's normal as a child of God to live beneath the banner of His blessing. It's called our what? We have an inheritance as the saints of God. And so we've talked about a lot of things up to this point. In fact, what kind of exploded within me as I was trying to bring this series to an end was Ephesians chapter 1, the first 14 verses where I found six more thoughts. And that's how this series kind of exploded. We'll look at verse 1, because, uh, pardon me, verse 3, where, 
where I just, I've read this for years, but it just began to explode in me. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who what? Has blessed us. Everybody say, He has blessed us. Past tense, it's already happened. He has blessed us with every, not just some, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. So what we've got to do is apprehend the blessings of God and begin to appropriate them in our life. And I found in these first 14 verses, as Paul begins to kind of enumerate some of these spiritual blessings that he has blessed us with, I discovered the blessing of adoption. How many of you know it's good that you've been adopted? I don't have time to rekindle all the insight there, but you ought to be happy you've been adopted by God into the family of God. Number two, it's the blessing of grace. Ooh, man, you don't work your way into right standing in the blessings of God, do you? It's by His grace. And oh, there's so much even in those verses about the grace. For by grace you have been what? Saved, And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's the blessing of grace. And then we talked about the blessing of redemption. Somebody say redemption. He paid for us. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, man, we have been blessed. Not we will be or maybe we have been blessed. And then we talked about the blessing of revelation and how we live in the age where God has uncovered his word and will in our life and, and, and he's revealed some. We live in the middle of God's big reveal of his, his final plan to redeem us and get us back in right relationship with God. Not under the law, but under grace where all humanity, humanity can be born again. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. The mystery has been, hey, the blinders have come off. And as we even learned in Fast Track about some of the old covenants, they're just types and shadows of God's bigger picture of redemption. And then this morning, oh, pardon me, last week, I love last week, is the blessing of heaven. How many of you know planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? That's God's final plan. And as we'll read in a moment, he talks about that day. But we're going to conclude today, and I believe it's a great conclusion. It's, it's kind of the capstone here, if you will. We're going to talk about the blessing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, let's look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Look what Paul says, in him, speaking of who? Jesus Christ. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Stop, pause right there, look up. Hey, how many of you know faith comes by hearing the word of God? There it is again. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation. How many of you know the good news is, according to scripture, we've already talked about it, Christ died for our sins. Everybody say, Christ died for my sins. According to the scriptures. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he rose again the third day. That's good news. He paid the way for us. Amen. And so it says, the gospel, you heard the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, catch this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession 
to the praise of his glory. Now, just a moment, I'm going to give you some big words, but some little big words, and just kind of bring that and build on this verse here. In fact, you can see those three words outlined there. But let me just kind of build on this verse just a minute before I do so. Hey, catch this. God gave us the Holy Spirit as a promise. Amen? Now, here's a way to remember it. Did you know the Bible teaches, you don't have time to go through this, the Bible teaches that the, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. And basically, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, He begins to convict us and point us to Jesus. You get it? And you know what Jesus then does? Once we, we hear that gospel, we heard the word under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we are saved, the gospel of our salvation... We become born of what? Born again. And then Jesus, the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus. And then Jesus turns around and introduces us to the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) He really does. And so, now, hey, so the Holy Spirit is active in our life from the beginning all the way through the end. Amen. So, we're saved by the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life, right? He convicts us. And then it says, once we are saved, this Holy Spirit does what? We're sealed. Everybody say, I'm saved. And then it says, that same moment in which you are saved, you are sealed. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Because of the Holy Spirit of promise that is made manifest in our life. Hey, until that, in, until the day of our redemption come, which is, which is when, as we talked last Sunday, Jesus comes back and, and gets us. How many of you know we're on our way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas? Amen. So here we go. Here's a big word study for you. Let me kind of break it down. I said the Holy Spirit seals us. We're sealed. What does it mean to be sealed? It means a stamp with a signet ring or a private mark for the purpose of security or preservation. God, when the, when we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes and seals us with the identity of Christ. We are marked by the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it does a number of things. It protects us. It identifies us as children of God. And hey, guess what? It secures us. So everyone say this, I'm saved, I'm sealed, and say I'm secure. And so catch that understanding. We've got the mark of God on our life. The Holy Spirit sealed us. And and God, through the, pardon me, Paul, through the influence of the Holy Spirit, called him in this case, the Holy Spirit of what? Promise. Everybody say Promise. It's a pledge of divine assurance of good. So Paul said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's God's pledge of divine assurance of good in our life. How many of you know God has your best interest at heart? And so he brought the Holy Spirit into your life to be as a pledge of divine assurance for good. And then he says, in reference to the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Everyone say guarantee. That word really means the earnest money or the down payment. Now, how many have ever purchased something and they said, well, we need a little, if you've ever purchased a house, you, you, you sign a contract and they said, we need a little earnest money to kind of let us know you're serious here, to kind of hold this. In fact, that's exactly what he says. The Holy Spirit is the down payment, the earnest money till I come back and I get my purchase possession when I come back again. Did you know Jesus promised to come back again? 
What did the angels say when he went to uh, heaven in Acts chapter 1? They said, hey, why are you staring into heaven? This ain't Jesus who you saw lifted above you. He'll doubtless come again in the clouds. But the Holy Spirit is our down payment and the earnest money. How many of you know if Jesus cared enough to send the Holy Spirit into our life and pay the down payment until he said, oh, you're mine. I'm putting down what I need to put down. And I promise you, as my pledge... That I'm coming back to get you. That, my friend, is a blessing. I said, that, my friend, is a blessing. Whoo, somebody say amen. Whoo, some people say, well, I don't know about that Holy Spirit. You better know about that Holy Spirit. Because without the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, listen, you're in serious trouble, my friend. The Holy Spirit, hey, catch this. We're saved by the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life, convicting us of sin. And we have faith in that, that word, the gospel of our salvation. How'd that happen? Because of the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then we're sealed. Amen? And then, hey, we've got the promise of God. We've got the security of God and the down payment of God. We're saved, we're sealed, and we're secure. Somebody say amen. What a blessing we have. So that's Ephesians chapter one, but uh, he called it the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. Now look in John chapter 14, go back to the fourth gospel. I want to show you where Jesus promised us and promised his disciples the, the coming of the Holy Spirit in their life. If you remember last week when we talked about heaven, we looked at the fir- uh, first few verses where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and where I go, you know, in the way you know. And they, oh, they said, oh, wait a minute, Jesus. Now you're not leaving us. Oh yeah, I'm leaving you. But then over in chapter, in chapter 14, a little later, as he begins to try to help them understand the bigger picture, he says in verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. That he may abide with you, what? Forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit in our life. This is the promise. And here are three words out of that verse that I want you to see. He, and this is a big H. I will send you another helper. Everyone say helper. Man, the Greek there is paraclete, one brought alongside to help. How many of you know that's a blessing? You see, we're not, on, we're not all alone. We're not out in our own strength. You see, the Holy Spirit's here to support us and serve us and to help us. So catch this again. Let's go back to Ephesians 1. We're saved through the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Convicts us of sin. We trust that God's message of forgiveness And so, we're saved. Everybody say, I'm saved. Everybody say, I'm sealed. Everyone say, I'm secure. And now we learn in chapter 14 of John, hey, we're supported by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. How many of you appreciate that support and that help? What a blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, what a blessing. He said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. In fact, verse 18, uh, verse 17, let's just read these next two verses. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells where? With you. And I will be and will be with you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. That's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 1, where he says, until the redemption of his purchased possession. 
He's coming back to planet earth. Amen. And, and, and gather up his bride. And forever we'll be with Christ in the heavens. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. But until then, we have the helper. He brings us support. Amen. And it says he will abide. Everyone say abide. That means to stay, continue, remain, dwell. And how long will he do that? Everyone say forever. I love this word. It means into perpetuity. Everyone say perpetuity. It means perpetually. He'll never leave you. See what he said? Look what he said. He said, for he... For he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. He's going to be with us. He's going to abide with us. Everyone say forever. What a promise. I said what a promise. And listen, if we're going to live beneath the banner of God's blessing, understand something. we got to get back under the, the, the revelation of the promises of God in our life and begin to embrace the Holy Spirit in our life. And so this morning, what I want to do for you today, I'm going to give you a tweetable tidbit this morning. And this is the outline of our sermon today or our message. This is the application of this, this promise of God that we have of the Holy Spirit. Here it is, your tweetable tidbit. Uh, uh, to live continuously beneath the banner of God's blessing blessing. One must live continuously receptive, responsive, and respectful to the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Twitter fan, you know you only have so many characters. That's exactly enough characters. I tested it. How dare me to give you a tweetable moment that won't tweet. That would be, that would be Twitter hypocrisy. To live, hey, catch this. To live continuously beneath the banner of God's blessing, one must live continuously receptive, responsive, and respectful to the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I just lied to you because somebody added a comma between receptive and responsive. Did you do that, Ike, to fix me? Because if you do that comma right there, you're going to be one icon off. Take it out. If you're going to Twitter it, you got to Twitter it without the comma. Hey, think about it for a moment. How many of you want to live continuously under the banner of God's blessing? The Holy Spirit's here to help us do that. To get us back under the, under the banner of God's blessing. So three thoughts here. Hey, we've got to be number one, receptive to the Holy Spirit in our life. And we see this working within the disciples' life as Jesus left, uh, as he was about to leave. Let's look at this word receptive and let's just think about it for a moment. In fact, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, before he, before in Acts 1, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he began to interact with the disciples, uh, in his resurrection fashion. In fact, Acts chapter 1 says he gathered them together and for 40 days he gave them, hey, how would you like to be in that seminar? A 40-day resurrected Christ kingdom seminar. Whoo! But when the resurrected Christ in John chapter 20 walks back into the disciples' life, you know what he says to them? They, they, they're, they're just overwhelmed. He says this, receive the Holy Spirit. One of the first words the resurrected Christ talks to his, to his, the leadership of the future church is these words, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, 
If you're going to fulfill God's kingdom purpose for your life, you've got to be receptive to the Holy Spirit's working in your life. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 1, where at the conclusion of his uh, uh, 40-day seminar, uh, the Resurrected Christ Kingdom Expansion Church Building Seminar, he says this to them, Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. That's the Holy Spirit. He said, And after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power, there's some help, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. But don't leave home without it. Don't move out into... Here's a caveat. Most of us, more times than not, we move out into our world on a daily basis without the Holy Spirit's influence working in our life. We need to understand that we've got to daily become receptive to the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And they did that. Acts chapter 1 and 2, if we had time, we'd look at it. But here's what they did. We find them praying. We find them in one accord. We find them getting their government and structure in order and, and getting things in order and getting their lives in order. And they're seeking God and they're in one accord. And they're praying and they're asking God. They didn't know what this Holy Spirit was. They had no idea what was about to happen. But they're praying. You know what they were doing they were building an atmosphere of receptivity for the things of God to be activated in their life listen church one of the big reasons people say well where's the Holy Spirit he's waiting on us to spend enough time where he feels comfortable showing up in our midst amen that's why we might get need to you know what Jesus did he got up a great while before day well I'm not just a morning person I'm not a morning person you know what most I know there's conflicts here. I'm not a morning person. Well, just wait till you get older. It just naturally happens, doesn't it, Jim? But if it doesn't naturally happen, you've got to start working towards that. And whatever your morning is, some of you may work odd. I know, Brent, you've been up for how long? He's, he, he just got two and a half, three hours of sleep, and he's back up. He, he's going, no, I'm not a morning person. I'm not an afternoon person right now. I know everybody has a different schedule, but catch this. If you want the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life and live beneath the banner of God's blessing, we've got, an, we've got to become receptive to His workings in our life. And you know what? It's a team effort. We build an atmosphere. If we're living life that is non-receptive to the Holy Spirit working in our life, if we're living on our schedule, doing our thing, going where we want to go, doing what we want to do, saying what we want to say, living how we want to live, and we kind of give the Holy Spirit the, you know, the get off my back with the actions of our life, we will not have His influence working in our life. He is as a dove, and you can spook Him in kind of an interesting way. And he will flutter off because he wants to spend some quality time with you and get you where you need to be, back under the banner. So Acts 1 and 2, they built an atmosphere through their prayer life, through their obedience, through their openness and hunger after the things of God in their life. And, and it released the opportunity. They were with one accord. They weren't bickering and fighting and fussing and complaining and carrying on. They were just saying, even so, Lord Jesus, here we are waiting on you. And then the suddenly came in Acts chapter 2. Listen, suddenlies never really are suddenly. They may feel that way to us, but it says suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the church was born. God's kingdom purpose began to be realized. Amen.
In fact, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, I love this verse. Because it says this in reference to the Holy Spirit. Paul said, and don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't let the things of this world intoxicate you. Don't let the things of this life get control of your life. Let the Holy Spirit, in fact, the Greek rendering is this, be continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time effort. You know, there's some people that, been, that were baptized in the Holy Spirit and talk in tongues, and I wouldn't give you 25 cents for their walk with God. Because they are not maintaining an atmosphere and a lifestyle of, of living under the banner of God's blessing in their life. It's a daily spirit. It's a continuous lifestyle of allowing the Holy Spirit to be a, make a difference in our life and lead us and guide us and direct us. Amen. So we've got to be receptive. You see, if you're going to live under the banner of God's blessing and experience the benefit of the Holy Spirit that is here, that has, that has helped us in the process of being saved and has sealed us and secured us and supports us. We've got to be receptive and open to that Holy Spirit working in our life. And number two, we've got to be responsive to the Spirit. In other words, hey, how many of you know every heavenly blessing demands a heartfelt response? God blesses us for a purpose. And so we've got to be receptive, but then we've got to respond. In other words, how many of you know the, there's always it the Holy Spirit, the promises of God in our life always demand a response from us. I want to give you three that I think are so important for you and I to embrace this morning. How we can respond to the Holy Spirit's influence in our life. The first one is this. We've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. In fact, in many different passages, John 16 is one. It says this in reference to the Holy Spirit. Catch this. This is just one phrase. He will, he will lead you and he will share with you and he will tell you things to come. Hello? The Holy Spirit will tell you about things to come. He'll speak into your life. Let me give you an interesting little, uh, this is a simple little one. The other day I was in Walmart, and I had a little time, so I thought, I'm going to go check out the sheets for our missionaries, because they asked for twin sheets. And I, listen, I'm not a sheet connoisseur. In fact, that all got real confusing pretty fast. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> and finally I got so excited, I found a set of sheets without the pillowcase for nine bucks. Twins. I got so excited, I sent my girls pictures. Nine bucks, man, we need to load up. And here comes another lady. She's there, and she's looking down in the high-end sheets. And I'm in the cheapo sheets. And finally she comments, man, I'm trying to find this special kind of sheet that my son had in his house. They were so nice. He got them at Walmart. She's telling all about these sheets. I said, that's awesome. And, and I'm thinking, I don't care about your sheets. What? I'm not used to people just talking in Walmart, you know, and about sheets. And I'm trying to be nice. I'm going, why does she care? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Tell her why you're looking for sheets. I said, I'm looking for sheets for orphans in Africa. She said, you are. I said, I am. So I told her about our mission and our orphanage. She said, man, I, and she said, can I help? I said, yes, you can. How many do you want to buy? 
And she started helping me find sheets. And we found, you saw them out there. I found, hey, catch this. I got twin, I got the, the fitted and the flat and the pillowcase for $9.47. Whoo! And she loaded up her buggy and she bought about six or seven sets of them. And I walked, and she said, you come to the front, I'm going to pay for them. I'm going to give them back to you. And, and I just went, that's cool. And I blessed her. And I said, I'm going to take these sheets to Africa in a couple of weeks. And God's going to bless you for being a blessing. You just got to learn to listen. I wasn't in the listening mode, but all of a sudden I got apprehended. But hey, the Bible says he'll tell you things to come. You just got to hear his. Some of the things I'm doing today is because God spoke to me a number of months ago right here in this altar. Said said some very specific things to me that I'm in the process of obeying. See, if you want to respond to the Holy Spirit, you got to learn to listen. In fact, in Acts, Acts chapter 8, 10, and 13, three different places. I don't have time to give you the, ver- give you the exact verses, but it says, And the Holy Spirit said... Everyone's saying, the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. Tell somebody that. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. Oh, oh really? Absolutely. He wants to speak with you. He wants to talk with you. So we've got to learn to listen. Everybody say, you've got to learn to listen. Number two, we've got to learn from the Spirit. John 14, 26 says this. He will teach you all things. If you don't know about something, He'll teach you. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you. Let me just tell you, you can go to school and that is good. You can go to Bible school, that, Bible school, that's good too. All those things are good. But one school you don't want to miss out on, and that's the school of the Holy Ghost. Because He'll take everything you learned here and appropriate it down here. He will teach you the things of God. He'll teach you about your money. He'll teach you about your family. He'll teach you about your destiny. He'll teach you about the purpose of God for your life. You've got to become receptive to the teaching of God in your life. And when He starts teaching you things, you learn your lessons well, my friend, because it will move you underneath the banner of God's blessing in your life. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You gotta listen. Everyone say we gotta listen. Everybody say we gotta learn. And then number three, it kinda kinda puts it all into perspective. We've got to live in the Spirit. What did Jesus say in John 14? I read it earlier. What does it say? He will abide with you forever. The word abide means to dwell, live. We gotta live in a state of spirituality under the influence of, not Drugs and alcohol are the things of this world. Not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Amen? In fact, Romans 8, 5 says, Those who live according to the Spirit reap the blessings of the Spirit. We're living in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. i got a friend who pastors in Montgomery, Alabama named Eddie Mitchell. He's a great pastor. I've been uh, around the world with him, went to Africa with him. We were roommates, and I learned something about Eddie. He, he snores really loud. But he grew up in the Pentecostal movement, and he, he's more Pentecost, he's Pentecostal to the core. And that man snores in tongues. True story. I mean, I'm talking about this guy's living in the Spirit. I couldn't sleep because he's snoring so loud. He's, and I, and I, can't, I don't want to mimic him. I don't want to mock the gift of God. But man, he'd just be, ah, ah. I'm thinking, kill him. Do something. Whatever you're, it's bad. 
And then in the middle of all that, you get, oh, I wish I'd have had a recording. That would have made have been a YouTube sensation. I mean, this guy's in the spirit. We don't have to snore in tongues, but understand something. We got to live and abide in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the last verse of Corinthians. He said, and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. See, we've got to learn to get to know the Holy Spirit and, and just fellowship with him. You know, you know what I'm doing most of the time on a daily basis based upon what he told me he spoke some things when I was listening to him, and now I'm learning some things from him. And you know what I now do pretty much on a regular daily basis now? I ask the Holy Spirit, uh, what do you want me to do today? I want to be under your influence and control in my life. What do you want me to do today? I want to commune with the Holy Spirit. I, let me just say, as your pastor, you want me, let me to be very transparent with you? I'm not real good at this. Some of you are better at this than me. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm just a fleshly guy or if I just get easily distracted, but, but I have to work at staying in the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life. It does not come natural to me. And if I'm not carefully, my, my spiritual life becomes mundane. <gasps> OMG, I'm going to another church. I've already put a tracking device on your car. No, you're not. I'm coming after you. Hey, everyone say, we've got to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. We've got to listen to the Spirit. We've got to learn from the Spirit. We've got to live in the Spirit. Let me give you three things quickly, and I'm just going to pop off these verses. Just to kind of help you in this thought of living in the Spirit. There's a lot of things I could say here, but I just do it this way. Scripture talks about praying in the Spirit. You want, you want to stay in the flow of the Spirit? Get into the Spirit and start praying. That's what they were doing in Acts chapter 2. They were praying in, in their language, uh, and then as the Holy Spirit came upon them, He gave them a new language. Now, let me just stop. Well, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you get to. Because Roman, Roman, Romans 8 says, Romans 8 says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Anybody ever been there? I don't know how to pray as all. What do I pray? Jesus prayed an hour, an hour in the morning. He prayed a long time. Could you not tear with him? How can you pray an hour? Listen, if you don't know what to pray as you ought, the Spirit prays through you. The groaning's too deep for words. Jude 20 says, you build yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let me just say to you, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to speak in tongues. Well, Paul the Apostle said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Everybody needs to speak in tongues. Really? Well, if you want to build yourself up on the most holy faith, and if you want to be able to pray in the Spirit with the understanding, also, oh, there's so much I can say. Let me just say, get in your prayer closet. Spend a little time with God. Stir up. Get an atmosphere of the Spirit of God going. And say, Lord Jesus, my preacher told me that if I spoke in tongues, it would be a blessing to you and a blessing to me. And I, in fact, if you look in the Scripture, four out of, uh, 
Four out of five times in Acts where the Holy Spirit came upon them, it says they spoke in tongues. And the other time was Paul the Apostle, and we know later that he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. You say, well, is it the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, it's, no, it's just the normal evidence. You, hey, it's just normal. Everybody say normal. One of the, the, one of the evidence of the Holy Spirit being in your life is not the, just the gifts of the Spirit, it's trouble. It gets you in trouble with you people who don't like you talking in tongues. But it won't get you in trouble with the Holy Ghost. Because he wants to pray through you. The groaning's too deep for words. Hey, we respond to him. We begin to pray. And, in, and the Bible says you pray with the Spirit. You pray with the understanding also. You sing with the Spirit. You sing with the understanding also. But whatever you do, you get in the Holy Ghost and start praying. And if you don't speak in tongues, hey, don't let another week go by that you don't spend enough time in the presence of God where he comes upon you in a way and, and release the gifts of God in your life. And they begin to be released within you and you have a whole new way of praying and seeking God. I don't know what I'd have done in my life without praying in tongues and I think I pray in tongues more than I do in English because I don't know how to pray as I ought some of you I look at your life I go how in the world am I going to pray for them I'm joking not much but I am joking we're praying oh and here's one planting Galatians 5 9 says he who sows to the Spirit. Whew. Now, this is different than most people think. Most people are thinking, help me, Jesus. Sow into my life, Jesus. Pour it out on me, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Yeah, and that's right and all and good. But hey, Paul said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sow to the Spirit. I'm going to give it back. It's coming back. And I'm blessing God and I'm worshiping and I'm sowing to the things of the Spirit. And if you sow to the things of the Spirit, guess what you're going to get? Spiritual things. So we live in the Spirit by how we pray and how we sow and plant. And then number three, proclaiming. How you live in the Spirit, it, 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 it is connected with what comes out of your mouth. Now let me show you this, Luca. Uh, 12, 11, and 12. He says, when they bring you before people and when you get in trouble because of the Holy Spirit in your life, understand something about the Holy Spirit. What will He do? He will teach you what you ought to say. The, listen. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us what to say. And to be able to proclaim His Word and will for our life. In fact, the Bible says this about Peter in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon them. In Acts chapter 4, in different places, uh, it says then, then Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit said this. Let me just ask you this. Have you ever said something and said, OMG, why did I say that? That was stupid. How many of you know our words? In fact, the Bible says we are ensnared by the words of our mouth. The Holy Spirit will help us. When you don't know what to say, if you're listening and learning and living, He'll tell you what to say. Even if it's as simple as this. 
Tell her why you're buying sheets. This is the way. Go ye in it. Speak up for me. I'll give you the words to say. You see, the Holy Spirit is here. He's helped get us saved. He sealed us. He secured us. He's supporting us. We've got to be receptive and responsive. And number three, listen carefully, respectful. Listen, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. Three different manifestations of God, all having personal identity. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4. He's building on this understanding. Before we go to Ephesians 4, remember what he said in Ephesians 1? He said, hey, he's given us the Holy Spirit as our guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. But look what he says in Ephesians 4.30. Now, here's the context of Ephesians 4.30. He's talking about how we live our life. Now, I'm about to close, but let me just throw this out to you. How many of you know, because the Holy Spirit's working in our life, it ought to affect how we live out our life? Because He's here helping us to live and, and, make, and, and, and transform our lives into the image of Christ. And so, if you had time, if we had time, we'd look in Ephesians 4, oh, beginning of verse 25, really above that, all the way from 17, all the way through. He's talking about living your life. Let him who stole steal no more. Be angry and do not sin. Uh, you know, put away lying. Uh, don't let a corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification. Let all bitterness and all these things. And sandwiched in the middle of all these lifestyle changes that the Holy Spirit helps us, verse 30, uh, verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve Him. Well, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? I believe in the context here, it must be in the way we live or the way we don't live. So how do we keep from grieving the Holy Spirit? Begin to allow Him to change the way we live. The, whole, the Holy Spirit who's helped us in the process of being saved, who has sealed us for the day of redemption, who has secured us by God's guarantee, wants to support us and teach us and lead us and guide us and direct us in how we live. And if you're... What did Paul say in Galatians? If you walk in the Spirit... Listen, we're about to close. Galatians 5. If you walk in the Spirit, what will happen? You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Everyone say, if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, 
when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you're being receptive, responsive, and respectful. It'll change the way you live. And you can walk in the Spirit. And He, my friend, will move you back under the banner of God's blessing in your life. Let's stand together. And let's just begin to focus our attention upon God. Let's just for the next couple of moments stir up an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives. Father, we thank you today. Come on now. Begin to just say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Spirit of God, have your way in my life. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be controlled and influenced. And I want the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be with me and working through me. Lord, I want to be receptive. You know, one of the ways we can be receptive to God is by our bodily posture. And though this may not be for everybody, but I want to encourage you if you so desire. No no pressure here. Just lift up your hands to God and say, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you today. I surrender to your will and ways in my life. I open my heart up to you. I want to be receptive. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to respond to you by how I learn from you and how I listen to you and how I live in your presence through my prayer life, through my sowing to the Spirit, and through what I say with my words, how they create within us an atmosphere of faith. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. And I thank you today for the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Today, as we come to this moment, there are some here today who have not been walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And in some ways, we've grieved the Spirit of God in our life by how we live by our own rules and by our own guidelines and by our own system of do's and don'ts. When all the while, the Holy Spirit's convicting our life. If that's you today, wherever you are, just begin to say, God, forgive me for grieving you today. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by which I've been sealed for the day of redemption. I don't want to be in con- I want to be in concert and harmony with your Holy Spirit Lord I don't want to be in conflict I don't want to grieve you Lord Jesus I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God in my life fill me Lord and help me be daily continuously filled with the Holy Spirit in my life thank you Jesus oh thank you Lord You see, to live continuously beneath the banner of God's blessing. We must live continuously receptive, responsive, and respectful to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Today we're going to conclude this service in a unique fashion. I want you to listen carefully today. If you're here today and you want to spend a little quality time in the presence of God before you go, just stirring up the and moving to another level of spiritual sensitivity, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and just take a place here, kneel, and just spend a little time. And you just stay as long as you want. We'll just let the Holy Spirit have His way in our lives today. Father, we thank You today. Come on. You want to just let the Holy... You've got five, ten minutes. You just want to just release the influence of the Holy Spirit. You can kneel. You can stand.